Welcome to Upworth United Methodist Church. I'm Debbie Weatherspoon, the pastor here, and we are grateful that you are listening in on this podcast from our worship service, the second Sunday of Lent. During our worship time together, we focused on the gospel reading about taking up our cross as we become followers of Jesus. We are in a time of grieving as a congregation since the death of our music minister, Jerry Asham. So we are seriously contemplating our Lenten practices and reflection on the fragility of life and what it means to take up our cross in being faithful disciples. That sometimes it's a matter of life or death. Sometimes it's a, a moment where we truly reflect on what is the meaning of our life and how will we be remembered? Will we be remembered as true disciples? May you be blessed during this Lenten season and make it a holy one for you.
Throughout the season of Lent, we'll be hearing the scripture readings from the First Nations Version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament. Many First Nations tribes communicate with the cultural and linguistic thought patterns found in their original tongues. The First Nations Version recounts the Creator's story, the Christian scriptures, following the tradition of native storytellers' oral cultures. This way of speaking with its simple yet profound beauty and rich cultural idioms still resonates in the hearts of First Nations people. You will hear some new names. For example, Jesus is called Creator Sets Free. Peter is called Stand on the Rock. And Satan is referred to as Accuser. So hear now these words from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Creator Sets Free then began to instruct his followers that the true human being must suffer many things. The council of elders, the head holy men, and the scroll keepers would turn their faces from him. He would then be killed, and after three days he would return from the world of the dead. He said this openly to all his followers. Stand on the rock pulled him aside from the others and spoke sharply to him. Creator sets free, turned, and looked to his followers, and then spoke sharply to stands on the rock. Out of my way, accuser. These are not the thoughts of the great spirit, but of a weak human being. He then gathered his followers and the crowd around him and said, Any who want to walk the road with me must turn away from their own path and carry their own cross as they follow me. The ones who hold on to their lives will not find life, but the ones who are willing to let go of their lives for me and for the good story I bring will find the true life. How will it help you to get everything you want in this world but lose the true life? Is there anything in this world worth trading for it? There are bad-hearted and unfaithful people living today in this generation who are ashamed of me and my message. So when the true human being comes to show the power and shining greatness of his father, along with his Holy Spirit messengers, he will also be ashamed of these people. This is the word of God. I can't imagine a world without them in it. This is what bubbles up inside of us as a thought or pretty close to a feeling. Mostly, I think it's just a grasping, a seeking to express what death of a loved one feels like for we who go on living. It isn't fair. Certainly seems like an injustice when death comes in a way that isn't, well, dying of old age, as we might call it. Loss is messy, and it's disturbing. It's disorienting. I feel disoriented. When we went into lockdown during the pandemic, 
Sorry to bring that up again, but you remember March 2020? Many of us said it was the lentiest Lent we ever lented. And I think this Lent is feeling a little lenty, isn't it? Theologian Walter Brueggemann suggests that human beings regularly find themselves in one of three places. A place of orientation in which everything makes sense in our lives. A place of disorientation in which we feel we have sunk into the pit. And a place of new orientation in which we realize that God has lifted us up out of the pit and we are in a new place full of gratitude and awareness about our lives and our God. In disorientation, in the pit, we can feel sad and we can feel angry. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, we read these words. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is very, in every respect, has been tempted or, or who has suffered. As we are suffering, yet he without sin Sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What is that saying to us? What does that scripture mean? It, it means that God is ready. We do not have to fear that uh, our anger might be too much that our grief is too overwhelming, that, that we as people of faith are not allowed to be sad or to question or wonder. No, God is ready. Bring it on. Just, just, you just have to imagine. Imagine yourself walking to God, however you understand God to be, to ask your questions. Perhaps you can imagine God as a tender parent coming into your room knowing you're just too upset to talk. And so just being there. I think that's what the incarnation is. Jesus entered our world where we are and met us and meets us there. It is God's ability to identify with our hardship that is the basis for the confidence with which we come to God in prayer. When we process profoundly painful experiences, it is a time when our faith becomes less innocent. We are less satisfied with the simple answers that once brought us comfort. So when it gets real, when the rubber meets the road, when the grief is deep, when the, the oppression is heavy, when the consequences are grave, imagine, if you will, like the disciples, you're gathered with Jesus and you're in this moment and he says, take up your cross and follow me. He says this to his disciples and one in particular is not having it. Good old Peter. 
Peter's like, what the what? You're saying, what? No, I don't. That is not a strategic plan for overcoming the oppressor. Can we talk about this, Jesus? Uh, and Jesus is not having that. Jesus is cautioning them. If you decide to give yourselves to what truly counts in this life, it will cost you. You will feel these teachings to be burdensome at times, like the weight of a cross. It seems to indicate to me that, that we're not supposed to just sit on the roadside of life and call ourselves followers of Jesus. We are to do more. We are to do more than esteem him for his generous love and dedicated service. Good man, that Jesus. <laughs> we do not hear Jesus grumbling about the challenges and demands of this way of life. We do not see him talking the good talk, but doing nothing about it. He describes his vision and then encourages others to join him in moving those teachings into action. Anyone who wants to follow him, Jesus declares, will have to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, I read that there's a deep physics at work here. And I had to say that I read that because it's not a thing I normally would say. <laughs> Just, and I wanted to keep it real. So there's a deep physics at work here, and I thought that was cool. <laughs> With the very act of seeking to save one's life, causing the seeker to lose it, while the one who seeks to give up one's life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. Hmm. In the overall flow of the story, the implication here is that for Jesus, Peter's view of this Messiah and how this whole Messiahship was supposed to go is really a self-centering grasping. Whereas Jesus has come for a completely, like 180 opposite reason. But it's totally messing up with Peter's way of thinking about things. Jesus says, you know, that part about coming to live for God and neighbor in love. To give and not grasp. So it's like, you know that prayer that's attributed to St. Francis? I think you all might sing that sometimes in choir. Apparently he didn't really write it, but it's attributed to him. But, you know, okay, that prayer. Let me not seek so much to be consoled as to, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are raised to eternal life. Jesus doesn't say, though, just to be clear, seek out a cross and then follow me. Don't go looking for pain and trouble, okay? But just when it comes your way, when it is your cross, take it up and follow me. 
This is no invitation to intensify or prolong suffering. After all, you know that other commandment, which seems to be the first one, apparently according to the Gospel of Mark, is that is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if that, and you know that to be true, that we are to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, then it doesn't mean that we are to call out and be suffering. But it is life, and there is suffering, and there is pain. But the disciples in our gospel reading, they were in this moment. They were really kind of ready for a... a I don't know, a Braveheart kind of thing. I'm not sure what kind of image. they. I guess Braveheart wasn't out yet. But they had this image of God, you know, just kind of rising up. And let's take on these oppressors. We rise at dawn. And Jesus was just like, we're not doing that big assault on the powers that be. This is different. But it was a hard shift for them to make. They had their ideas of what it means. If you say that you are God, then you must be able to, well, we're familiar with that text in the temptation in the wilderness. So how could it be that Jesus was going to make anybody's life any better by dying? Jesus' proposal for dealing with this life suffering just seemed counterintuitive. The exact opposite of how people operate. And that can be really hard when you're praying for one thing and something else happens, isn't it? I think that can be really hard. Yet Jesus goes on to tell everyone very plainly and simply, if you want to get behind me, then you've got to give up your clutching at this life. Mark is saying that there are two ways to get behind Jesus. If you insist on holding on to this life of the seeking of the solution to life's difficulties by grabbing still more of that same life, then you can get behind Jesus as accuser. But if you are willing to let go, to release your fierce grip on your own ego and on the life you hope will boost and bolster that ego, if you can just die along with Jesus, then you can get behind Jesus as a disciple. Then you can get behind Jesus as a follower who is back there with a clear view of what Jesus is all about, what he's saying, what he's doing, how he's acting, and you can imitate him. I want to tell you all that I had a dream about Jerry last night. And he had all these suitcases packed. And, and in the dream, I, I like have come into this room and he's got these suitcases. And Charles, you're, you're sitting there. You're, you're, you're sitting there like watching him. Like, you're kind of like me, like, what's he doing? <laughs> but he's got all these suitcases. And I said, Where, what are you doing? I need your help. And he said, I got to go. And he picks up his suitcases. And I woke up. And I remembered the dream. And those of you who dream, you know, we don't always remember, right, when we wake up. But I woke up and I was like, what? 
but I was in the very room when he took his last breath. My conscience knows better. So I had to sit and listen to the Lord speak to me. Jerry's bags were packed. He knew where he was going. <laughs> he didn't need to wait any longer. He was going and following. And he was ready. And he knew. And I know I still need his help. So I'm still calling on him. <laughs> and I don't know what I would do without all of you who are stepping up above and beyond to say, yeah. Beverly, where, Beverly, what was it that you said you were taking on for Lent? What would Jerry do? What would, what would make Jerry proud? Thank you for all the ways you are sharing your stories with me and your connections. And we'll keep doing this. But Jerry had to go. His bags were packed and he knew where he was going. And I knew Jerry as a fellow disciple, the one who, like I, seek to, behind, to be behind Jesus as a follower, to minister with compassion, to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. And I'm disoriented this Lent. So as we move closer to the cross together, and deepen our understanding of its role in our life, I believe I, and I hope we, will find a new orientation in which we realize that God has lifted us up out of the pit and we are in a new place full of gratitude and awareness about our lives and our God. Amen.